Truth is, I am Iron Man. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor! Is Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home. Avengers! Assemble. Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills. Hello, fans, to United We Fan, the podcast. United with me, it's my co-host, the heroic Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, everyone. We hope you all enjoyed last week's episode where we talked about the Universal Orlando theme parks. Hopefully, we encourage you to play at the Islands of Adventures and to ride the movies. On this week's episode, we celebrate the 4th of July here in the States by talking about the star-spangled man with the plan. He's with us till the end of the line while passing us on the left to remind us to watch our language. We are, of course, discussing that guy from Brooklyn named Captain America. But first, thank you all for uniting with us here on CKCC Radio as we talk about all things fandom. CKCC Radio is our home, so please spread your support to the rest of the variety of shows we have here on the channel to entertain you. They have podcasts ranging from wrestling talk shows, episode reviews of The Simpsons, Disney animated movie rankings, music ranking tracks, motivational moves, Real Paranormal Talk, Racing Nerd Podcast, BingeCast for binging shows, and many other podcasts. You can listen to all of us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and most podcast locations. Shout out to Jeff's recent ranking tracks. He reviewed the Linkin Park Hybrid Theory album with our commissioner, Chris. I honestly forgot how good that album and how good Linkin Park was. Don't judge me, but the song they did for the first Transformers movie came on recently and had me wanting to listen to some Linkin Park. Then I saw Jeff did a podcast, and it was just meant to be after that. I listened to the podcast, then went back to listen to the album. I highly recommend, if you uh, wanted to check out that podcast episode, listen to the album first. It's on Spotify. Then listen to Jeff's wonderful podcast where he ranks the tracks. Then afterwards on Spotify, they have a special edition of the album. Definitely check that out. It has a couple of live tracks. That Hybrid Theory album, I think, was the very first rock album I ever owned. Um, that album that album is incredible. I, I love it. And Mark, I also don't know why there'd be any judgment around Transformers. I will say <laughs> it here. Transformers 1 is awesome. Agreed. That'd be a fun episode. We are autonomous robotic organisms from the planet Cybertron. In Mark and Brian's world news, big recent news comes from Disney. Splash Mountain is going to leave behind Br'er Rabbit's storyline and have a major overlay with the underrated Disney animated flick, Princess and the Frog. By the time I introduce myself, my name Ramon, but if I call me Rick. I, for one, have no problem with this, and I'm not just saying that because I'm from New Orleans and that film has a special place in my heart. Probably the only issue I might have is that I wish Princess and the Frog could have its own maybe original attraction slash restaurant combo, but that's just me being nitpicky. I'm actually really excited for this changeover as a fan of the movie and as someone who thought the attraction could use a little change. Full disclosure, though, Splash Mountain isn't in my top 10 Disney attractions, so that's probably another reason I'm not heartbroken about this. Did this news make a big splash or a little splash with you? I think I'm the exact opposite of you, Mark. Splash Mountain <laughs> is my favorite Magic Kingdom attraction. I'm a little bit upset about this. I, You're right. If Princess and the Frog could get its own ride and 
uh, restaurant combo like they have with Pirates of the Caribbean out in Disneyland. That would be kind of the best of both worlds. That would be pretty cool. Mm, yeah. um, but Splash Mountain, I love this. I love Splash Mountain. Zippity Doodah is my own personal anthem. I'm gonna miss that attraction. I'm gonna miss that ride. I'm gonna miss that song. Um, when you say underrated Disney film, Princess and the Frog, it's just not one that that I quite love. I, I don't <gasps> love that film, so I don't consider it underrated. Dr. Facilier is a really cool villain, though, so if we get a okay. cool animatronic with him down right before the splat, right before uh, Chickapin Hill, which, oh, they're going to have to rename Chickapin Hill in the Briar <laughs> Patch. I just, yeah. this one, I, I, don't, I don't love it. If yeah. they're going to do it, they might as well do it good. Oh, yeah, they'll do it well. No problems there. I, I believe in them. Well, there you go. Now let's check out our local Facebook polls. I still have an update on my favorite or finding out everyone's favorite 80s movie. So still working on that. Hopefully next episode I'll have those results for you. There were a couple of co close calls last week where the Karate Kid beat out Tim Burton and Michael Keaton's Batman by four votes. And at first I was mad at you, Brian, because I thought I saw that you voted for the Karate Kid over Batman. We almost the, had words there. The first time I saw the Batman versus Karate Kid, Batman was beating it six to nothing. And I needed Karate Kid to get a little bit of love. I think you're being a little too hard on, on <laughs> Karate Kid personally. But it took out my favorite 80s movie, Removing Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. But it took out Top Gun. So I needed uh... Karate Kid to make a bit of a run. But I, I think you're being too hard on Karate Kid. There's been news in the Karate Kid world too, Mark. There's Have you seen that Cobra Kai's making the jump from YouTube Red to... Uh, to Netflix and getting a new season. Have you watched Cobra Kai? I am happy about this. No, I haven't, but I'm happy because I have Netflix. So now once all the episodes move over there, I can marathon wax on wax off that and be a, be caught up on it. Maybe you'll become more of a fan of karate kid and even vote for it to, uh, to beat Batman's. Okay. Batman's. You need to simmer down Daniel son, <laughs> because I like the karate kid. Even when people call it a, rip off of Rocky. I'm like, no, 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 calm down. I, I'm a huge fan of the karate kid, but when you have it against Tim Burton, Michael Keaton's Batman, like, come on, Brian to tie in with the 4th of July. We have an exciting announcement. MLB is returning. Major league baseball is back. And you did a recent Mount Rushmore. We asked everyone what their favorite or what their Mount Rushmore baseball movies were. And your answers were, yeah, I introduced this. Mount Rushmore is baseball has been an absolute disaster since this COVID-19 thing started. Yep. We are getting baseball back. It's still a bit of a mess, but regardless, we're getting baseball back. Uh, my Mount Rushmore of baseball films is Field of Dreams, which mm -hmm. should be on everybody's, uh, but it's not. <laughs> but, uh, Moneyball. I love Moneyball. Um, yep. I've read the book. Also, I just love the movie. You got Chris Pratt and you've got Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Brad Pitt. Just a really good movie. Uh, yep. Underrated is Little Big League. Um, <laughs> little boy's grandpa, who owns Minnesota Twins, dies and then appoints himself as the manager of the team. That I miss the 90s when Major League Baseball would allow Disney and other film studios to use actual teams in there. Um, yep. That movie has so many baseball cameos, and it just is the legend of Ken Griffey Jr. I love that movie. And then, of course, The Sandlot. That's my uh, last entry on, on the baseball movies, uh, Mount Rushmore and you're killing me, Smalls. Mark, I know you've got your own Mount Rushmore baseball movies as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we agree The Sandlot is on mine. 
when I think about the kid baseball movies where you had Sandlot, Little Big Lead, Rookie of the Year, I think the Sandlot leaves that category. We agree. Moneyball. Moneyball is actually my favorite baseball movie. I also read the book, which I thought they did a great job adapting that book and making it into a movie. HBO did a movie called 61 about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris chasing the home run record. If you haven't seen it, it's so good. And then my fourth one, which was actually very hard for me, but I had to go with Major League. I recently watched it, rewatched it, and I watched the second one. The second one kind of lost some humor for me. And then the third one. So, but the first one's still comedic goal. Going back to the kid baseball movies, I Little Big League is up there for me. I it's definitely in my top ten. If I ha- I know it's always a battle between Little Big League and Rookie of the Year, but I always go Little Big League over Rookie of the Year. And then Little Big League has has made me just scared of Randy Johnson and has since <laughs> I was since I was five. Randy Johnson is a scary dude. I want to know the director of that movie. Did he just go, hey, so um, Randy? I mean, Mr. Johnson, could you just um, play 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 it natural? Yeah, just. Just do it natural. Be you. And I, I feel like that's the only direction Randy Johnson got in that movie. And yes, we um, do remember A League of Their Own and yep. Bull Durham. They just didn't didn't make our lists. Both are in my top ten. And then Soul of the Game. It was another HBO movie about Josh Gibson and young Jackie Robinson about the Negro League. I, it's a really good HBO movie. Angels in the Outfield. Shout out to that one. Field of Dreams, it's not as high on my list. You have the Kevin Costner baseball trilogy, which is Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, and For Love of the Game. I Bull Durham out of those three is higher for me. And then I I got to bring up the Bad News Bears, the original trilogy. When you posted this, I know someone gave it a shout out, and I'm not talking about the Billy Bob Thornton remake talking about the original one the first one so good i forgot all about the second one they go to the astrodome and play there and i can only imagine as a kid playing there and then the third one they go to japan to play and i just loved that so much so if you get a chance go back and revisit the bad news bear trilogy it's a it's a fun time yeah and 42 is another one we didn't talk about oh, Chad, chadwick both yeah. plays plays jackie robinson uh that's a uh, that's a really cool scene when when the first baseman comes over to him and he says, maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42 just so they can't tell us oh, apart. And then, goosebumps. Uh, and now every year on, on May 15th on Jackie Robinson's birthday, they always wear his uh, wear 42, everybody in the league. And that's a that's a cool shout out as well. Yeah, I even bought the um, stance Jackie Robinson socks and I always wear those on Jackie Robinson Day. I love them. And I mean, you have Harrison Ford in it and then Alan Tudyk plays the coach of the Phillies and it's a scene that just fires me up and gets under my nerves when he's harassing Jackie Robinson. Such a good movie. In other news last night, I did some watching of Brooklyn nine, 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 nine. And, um, it was season five, episode 14 with Sterling K Brown. It just, God, what, he's such a talented actor. He's one of those actors I feel like he's also a cool guy that you would just want to meet and talk to. He's in it, and it's about um, 
Andy and Captain Hulk interrogating him, trying to get him to confess to a crime. And Sterling K. Brown is a dentist. So it literally, it comes off kind of like a, a three-man play. And it has some of the best laughs. Sterling K. Brown was nominated. Um, I think he should have won. He was nominated for this one episode for guest appearance. Simple episode, but just so brilliantly done. I think it's one of the best, like, comedy tv episodes ever i'll go that high but yeah season five episode 14 brian i know you're with me on this episode yeah that entire episode he plays such a good arrogant dentist uh that Mm -hmm. you just can't can't question him uh just the way that entire episode plays out he's he's incredible it makes me wish he was on the show every episode now it's time for our fourth of july episode where we discussed Brian and I kind of had a lot of heart-to-hearts about what we wanted our 4th of July episode to be, and in the end, it hit us. It has to be Captain America. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? If you all are wondering how much Brian and I love Cap, just think of Paul Rudd's Ant-Man Scott Lang whenever he talks about Captain America. Wow, this is awesome. Captain America. And you'll have a pretty good idea of how we feel about him. So stay with us to the end of the line as we talk about all things Steve Rogers and Captain America. Brian, let's open up and get real personal with our listeners. What fun Captain America items does Brian have? I think I have a Captain America, one Captain America of literally everything I own. I have a phone case. Uh, My watch band is a leather watch with the shield imprinted on it uh, for my Apple watch, uh, for my lanyard, for my universal annual pass is a captain america my wife painted me a picture of cap holding mjolnir uh Aww. for father's day last year um and so are worthy on it um my next purchase will be a full-size shield um i have about six captain america funkos i love captain america i need to also get a shield at some point because i have i bought a uh, distressed looking captain america shield backpack from think geek so one day I'll, I'll I'll finally get my real shield. I even have a Marvel Universe Live. It's an arena show. They they had a um, cotton candy helmet. So the cotton candy came in Captain America's helmet. So of course I had to buy that. Yeah, the snow cone. We've got the exact same one. You got the shield spoon that came with it too. It was awesome. Uh, I need Marvel uh, Marvel Universe Live. Please come back to Orlando. I will go see you. I bought the Mickey Mouse ears for Captain America. I also have a Funko collection. I'm rather mad at Target for how they handled their Blacklight release just recently. Hoodies. For someone who lives in Florida, I have way too many Captain America hoodies. I have about eight of them, all very different, and I love them. I have Captain America headphones, two Captain America watches, one really nice, and then one I got from Target. And then I have several pieces of Captain America artwork that I got from conventions. And then a pair of uh, Captain America shoes that I picked up from a convention. An artist made them and had to get them. So, and then not to mention so many shirts. Uniqlo did a Marvel art collection. Of course, whenever they have Captain America, I had to get it. And then uh, I Am Superhero website, they do workout shirts. Got them, and then of course, I have a like two Captain America services. So I think you and I, we have a nice little like 
collection of Captain America, so we definitely salute him. Give a little backstory on Captain America. Cap debuted March 1941 from Jack Kirby and Joe Simon in Timely Comics, which was pre-Marvel. Fun fact, he was almost called Super American, but they felt there were too many super people out there. I agree with them. I like the change. The legendary Stan Lee joined the team very early on and contributed so many marvelous ideas. Excelsior. Captain enjoyed huge success in the 40s, kick in some butt during World War II and a little after. Sadly, the world showed Captain America the end of the line in the 50s and was discontinued. Luckily, in 1964, Steve Rogers came back on our left and never left us again. I have read Captain America comics. I wouldn't say I'm the foremost expert or the biggest collector of anyone I know. I know several big Captain America fans, but I've listed a couple of my favorites. I'll just give them a shout out. The Mad Bomb, which Jack Kirby returned to work on, has Cap and Falcon working for the President of the United States. And it's definitely a dated storyline, but it's a really powerful storyline. Man Out of Time, which has Captain being brought into the modern world. A big thing for me is the artwork in it. Captain America No More, which introduces us to U.S. Agent. For all of you fans of the upcoming series, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you'll get to learn more about the U.S. Agent. Operation Rebirth, which was a, an attempt at updating Captain America, bringing him into that modern world. Castaway and Dimension G. Yes, Captain America in a different dimension. Sounds weird, but I love that you get to see Steve Rogers as a dad. The death of Captain America. Now, don't get me wrong, the Civil War storyline is pretty great, but death of Captain America, I think, really gives a good, strong impression of the modern state of things and superheroes in them. And then, of course, the Winter Soldier. That graphic book collection that I have is one that... I will read at least once or twice a year. I'll pull it out to read it. And of course, we all know the movie, The Winter Soldier. But go back and read that graphic novel. Brian, have you dusted off any of the comics recently and read some? Yeah, the most interest or the most familiarity I had with the comics was The Winter Soldier. I was familiar just enough to know that Bucky was the Winter Soldier. So going into that, <gasps> it didn't completely catch me off guard. Yeah. Uh, but Man Out of Time and the Winter Soldier, that's what uh, the Russos used most for inspiration in making Captain America the Winter Soldier, which yeah. I will say I go back and forth on that and Guardians of the Galaxy as being my favorite MCU film ever. Endgame and Infinity War, obviously also very good, but they rely so much on everything that came before it just as standalone film. The Winter Soldier is just, it's incredible. And they use those comic books to really make that film uh, right from there in their first Marvel directorial debut. After comics, Captain America hit the little screen. He had two TV movies back in 1979. And just look up pictures. He kind of looks like, uh, was it, Evil Knievel. He's got a huge motorcycle helmet with the little Captain America wings on the side. He has a clear shield in it. It's it, it looks very dated and cheap, kind of like something you would find at a party superstore. And then in 1990, Captain jumped to the big screen, but kind of fell short. He, he even has rubber ears in it. Look it up. It's 
gosh. It's it's of course now Kid Mark, I enjoyed the Captain America 1990 movie. Now adult Mark, I go back, it has a Roger Corman kind of corny B movie look to it. Not as good, but go back if you haven't seen it, watch it for the fun of it. Brian, have you checked out the TV movies or the 1990 movie? I haven't, but the reputation of those rubber ears precedes. <laughs> those are, they don't even match his skin color. It was, no. uh, it was an odd, odd inclusion for sure. I, like I said, I, I didn't notice them as a kid. I didn't go, oh my God, those look so bad. Those rubber ears stuck to the side of his mask. But now when you go back and watch them, you go, oh yeah. There were a lot of those rumors kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, too, that Brad Pitt was going to play Captain America. I am uh, pretty glad that they kind of held off and waited for the MCU to play out without kind of burning that character's bridge too much. Now we'll move on to Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He got his own trilogy, and I think it's one of the stronger of the trilogies. Brian, you want to take on ranking the Cap trilogy? Yeah, I mean, from what I just said a little bit ago about the Winter Soldier, it's uh, clear that Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the second one, is my favorite of the three. And then the other two, it's like me picking my between my three children. Um, it really <gasps> is. Um, one clear favorite and then two others. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh. but no, I do have the <laughs> one clear favorite, but I, I guess I'm going to have to go with Civil War. Um, just because that movie as a whole with the intro- with the introduction of Black Panther and Spider-Man and just everything going on in that film. It's probably number two and then number one is not to say I don't love it, but Captain America, the, the first Avenger, uh, the first one would probably be third on the list of three. But that's like picking three Picasso paintings. For me, um, it's a difference of one's a ten, one's a nine, one's an eight. Winter Soldier is actually my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie and it goes back and forth between even my favorite comic book movie. So Winter Soldier is the first one and I remember when I first saw it I was not the biggest fan. It had to grow on me and then now I love watching the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, number one, easy. Number two, I think Captain America the First Avenger is a little little underrated. I love the first one the old school approach to it. Um, Joe Johnson, who did the Rocketeer, really brought a lot to it. And then third one is Civil War. The only reason it's third for me is the parts where it feels like a Captain America movie, I love it. And then there's parts where it feels like a, a mini Avengers movie, and it kind of takes away from it being a Captain America movie. Don't get me wrong, I love the parts. I love introduction of Black Panther. I think he was perfectly put into it. Same with Spider-Man. Cap did make appearances in other movies besides his Captain America trilogy. Brian, where else can we find Cap? Yeah, so he's got his three films. Um, So he appeared in the first Avenger and then the Avengers. And then he actually made a quick cameo. Loki appears as Captain America in Thor The Dark World. And that's yep. a that's a pretty funny scene um, as if, well. If you get a chance, the deleted scene is out there where Tom Hiddleston put on the captain suit from the first Avengers movie to do the scene for Chris Evans to see how he does it. It is a great deleted scene. Captain America, the Winter Soldier came next. And then Avengers Age of Ultron was his next appearance. 
and then Captain America Civil War, which we talked about, and then he makes the most <laughs> funny uh, appearances in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yeah. <laughs> when he talks when he does the the sit down uh, on the video when he he's, yeah. he's sitting in there. Peter Parker's watching in gym. He says, "Today, my good friend, your gym teacher," and he points to the right <laughs> of the screen. And Hannibal Burris's character is on the complete opposite side, and then he just follows up with, "I'm pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now or whatever, but I got to show these <laughs> yeah. videos." So, and then he talks about um, when he he goes, "So you got detention, and I'm pretty sure you were just trying to be cool." <laughs> but take it from a guy who was frozen for 65 years. The only way to be cool is to follow the rules. And then he gets the post credit scene about patience. It's just, it's incredible. <laughs> and then he shows up in Avengers Infinity War. He's only got about five minutes of screen time, but they were an important five minutes of screen time in Infinity War. And then obviously in Avengers Endgame. And we'll talk more about that later on. But he's got a lot of film appearances. Yeah, I, I loved him in Spider-Man Homecoming. The first time I saw it with the gym teacher scene, I I felt so bad. I didn't notice him motion. I missed the whole joke. <laughs> and I heard people in the audience laugh, and I laughed. And then I went back to watch the movie again, and that's when I noticed it. And I just, I laughed so hard. The detention video, I I love how the director filmed it, because it really felt like something, an old, outdated movie or something you'd have to watch in school. His PSAs, yep. Yeah, and the end credit scene, because everybody was excited, hoping for something really big. Hi, I'm Captain America, here to talk to you about one of the most valuable traits a soldier or student can have, patience. Sometimes patience is the key to victory. Sometimes it leads to very little, and it seems like it's not worth it. And you wonder why you waited so long for something so disappointing. How many more of these do I have to do? <laughs> it's just hilarious. It's on the level of when we finally got to have Thor being more comedic. You got to see a comedic Captain America moments without making it too slapstick. It was just so perfectly well done. That brings us to where Captain America started in the MCU with Captain America, the first Avenger. I, like I said earlier, I think highly underrated. I applaud uh, Kevin Feige for going, you know what, let's let's have Captain America be during the times of World War II. Let's go for it. Let's take a chance. Because if you think back, you didn't really have hero movies set back in those times. Dick Tracy was a modest hit. It went for it. The Shadow with Alec Baldwin didn't do that well. And then you had The Phantom with Billy Zane. That didn't do that well. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that movie. Oh, if you want, it's a guilty pleasure marathon for me where I do The Shadow, Dick Tracy, and The Phantom. It's an enjoyable one. The Phantom's on Amazon if you have Amazon Prime. Dick Tracy, I think, is on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if you can watch The Shadow anywhere. I luckily found a DVD copy of that one. You use the term enjoyable very loosely there, I think. How dare you? I said they were guilty pleasures. Anyways, so Captain America First Avenger, Alan Silvestri's score to it. I love that soundtrack. Him and Alan Menken from Disney fame. He did the song, The Star Spangled Man. They did that song together. So a little fun fact there for all you Disney fans. And then when you talk about the music, Mark, in Avengers Endgame, when Tony gives Steve that shield back and Alan Silvestri cuts to his score from Captain America, the first Avenger right at that. It's just 
it's perfect when you hear it. It takes you all the way back to that film. It's really cool. Honestly, I have to get out of the garage before Morgan takes it sledding. Thank you, Tony. Will you keep that a little quiet? Didn't bring one for the whole team. Yep. And then music when Cap's plane is going down there and he's talking to Agent Carter. Oh, score right there just breaks my heart so much. But I I loved it. The casting was perfect. Hugo Weaving as Red Skull, sadly, just for that one movie. Then you have Stanley Tucci as the doctor. I went back recently and watched it, and you just see skinny Steve Rogers when he's laying on the table before he becomes Super Soldier. You see Stanley Tucci just put his hand on him, and I was like, oh. And then, of course, I love the scene between them where they're just swapping stories. Yeah, when you talk about Stanley Tucci's character, that's the the biggest thing um, that I wanted to, to talk about with this particular movie, aside from Cap jumping on the grenade. Um, oh. Yeah, and then the scene when he holds up the taxi door as a yep. shield and it's got a star right on it, just showing what the shield's coming. It's really cool. And you talked about the Star Spangled Man as well. But Stanley Tucci is Dr. Erkstein in this movie. Uh, when Cap asks him, he says, why me? Um, and he just says, The serum amplifies everything that is inside. So good becomes great. Bad becomes worse. This is why you were chosen. Because the strong man who has known power all his life may lose respect for that power, but a weak man knows the value of strength and knows compassion. And that speech that Dr. Erksine gives to Steve is really what I think gives Steve the courage to continue to become Captain America. But another thing about Captain America, the first Avenger, Mark, I don't think I've told you, but I actually made an appearance in Captain America, the first Avenger. If you look really closely that skinny body that they used to put on skinny Steve. That was me from high school. Just a scrawny little kid that always gets beat up. Yeah, that was me. Okay, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, and then, like I said, the, the film is just made by perfect casting. You have Haley Atwell as agent Carter. I love her. And when she got her spinoff series sadly only two seasons on disney plus check it out i was so happy because it was sad because we got her in winter soldier and sadly that wasn't too much you know the heartbreaking scene in winter soldier we'll get to that but so heartbreaking oh my god gives me like oh anyways but when we got the series to see agent carter in action in that like male chauvinistic world and you could see her having to still, even after Captain America, things weren't easy for her. I love that they gave her the attention she deserved. Yeah, her character is so much fun to watch. And the way she just holds her own, like you said, in that male chauvinistic world of World War II, she owns every single room that she walks into. Of course, we have to talk about our little introduction to her when the one guy is just being a a real jerk to her and she asks him to step forward, put one foot forward and then just slugs him. And then Tommy Lee Jones, of course, walks up and just says, did I give you permission to like, you know, lay on the ground? 
I loved that scene when she slugged him. The smile she gets when he when Steve <laughs> drops the flag down and just pulls yep. the pin out of the flagpole. Just the smile she gives. She just admires him for being so creative. I love her character. Work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Brought up Tommy Lee Jones. I thought he was a great authority figure in the film. Perfectly cast. The little banter between him and Stanley Tucci where he goes, look at him. It's breaking my heart. <laughs> like I said, it's so sarcastic. And then he, he throws the grenade out there and everybody hides behind, including Hodge, who's his pick for the serum. And Steve yep. jumps on that grenade and uh, Dr. Erkstein just looks at him and he just responds with, he's still skinny. And then the makeup effects on Red Skull. I love how comic book realistic they went for it and they didn't give him like a CGI face. Yes, I know they had to use CGI on his nose, but the rest of it is makeup. Hugo Weaving, perfect casting. I wish we could have gotten more. And look into that backstory about the reason why we couldn't get more. It's a fun little he said, he said, kind of shifting the blame on who actually is the reason. It's a fun read. Yeah, I'm glad they at least got Ross Marquand to come back to see Red Skull again. Um, yeah. In this movie, I it looks kind of like a, a melted red crayon all over his face. I wish there was a little bit <sighs> of structure. Um, it it hasn't aged as well as some other things. Uh, from it's been a lot of the CGI on Skinny Steve, but um, yeah. I I don't I don't know. I mean, everybody has their own opinion. For me, it just I wish it had a little bit more bone structure to it. Uh, but next, Captain America's next appearance it was in the Avengers. Mark, what was some of the stuff in the Avengers that kind of stood out to you from that? I I mean, of course, we got to see at the end the little sneak clip of Captain America in the gym leading up to the Avengers. So when you're introduced to him in the next one, you see he's still battling his own demons coming from the ice. But I love the scene between him and Coulson because, you know, we got Coulson from the other movies who's just very serious, all business. You just see him fangirling over Captain America about how, you know, I worked on your suit I, I watched over you while you were sleeping. Uh, <laughs> not not a weird, you know. It. I I think the reason I love it so much is I totally relate with Coulson. So he just wants to get his trading card signed, man. Oh yeah, and then I love the scene when Cap meets Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo, and he goes, "Is that the only word on me?" And Cap just goes, "That's the only word I care about." Cap. Cap doesn't need gossip or rumors, all that. Yeah, going back to the first Avenger, when you talk about the post-credit scene, the post-credit scene in the first Avenger was basically just a trailer for yeah. for uh, the Avengers. I wish they had ended the movie with the kid holding the trash can lid and then oh. done all the modern-day stuff as a post-credit scene, but it is what it is. Um, that would have just been such a perfect ending to the movie. But I wish they would have ended it with that and then had the mid-credits be the modern day Captain America waking up. And then if he had to, the post credits having the preview, I, man. Well, I think this was the fifth Marvel movie out there. A lot of people still didn't know about the post credit scenes and they didn't want people to miss it. Like now I think if the movie came out, they would do it differently, but there were so many people that were still missing the post credit scenes uh, back in the day, the mid credit scenes back in the day of these Marvel movies. When you talk about Phil Coulson um, and just how giddy he was, it was just so cool because they set up 
such a such a good story for Coulson, even though he'd been in the movies for just a couple of minutes here and there. Um, but it really pays off a lot faster than you'd think when, uh, unfortunately, Coulson meets his demise. And Nick Fury uses that to his advantage. And he yeah. takes the trading cards from Coulson's locker and makes it look like they were on him to kind of bring the group together. Um, from a storytelling standpoint, I it's really unfortunate that Coulson had to be had to be that guy. But yeah, going back to Alan Silvestri's score, that track for they called it with Coulson. That's one of my favorite Marvel score tracks. Check it out. And then working one of the conventions I worked, they sell the card set. So they have two sets. They sell the bloody one. That sounds so horrible to say. And then they sell the dry set. And I, I was gifted it. So I have that over on one of my shelves. And I love it so much. I got to say, it's an honor to meet you officially. I sort of met you. I mean, I watched you while you were sleeping. I mean, I was I was present while you were unconscious. Uh, but my favorite scene from the Avengers that involves Cap is when is that same when he's doing the punching bag and Nick Fury comes in. And he just asks him if he's into the mission. And, and Cap says, at this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. And Nick Fury <laughs> responds with 10 bucks says you're wrong. And then yep. later in the movie, when they get on the helicarrier, Cap just pulls a $10 bill out of his pocket and hands to Fury. And he just kind of takes it and keeps walking. It cracks me up. It's like little things like that I loved. It was a small little joke. And then I don't know why, but I still laugh. And I don't remember a lot of people laughing at when Cap just picks up the punching bag like it's nothing. there just picks it up and then when when thor shows up and thor goes you want me to put the hammer down and 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 he just that is just thing dreams are made of when mjolnir hits cap's shield and there's that giant explosion and then they use that again in avengers age of ultron too but it's it's really cool well you had to have the three of them work it out it's three heroes who are used to leading their own team doing their own thing you knew they weren't going to fit together like a puzzle. It, they had to have their little <laughs> aggressive negotiations before yep. they could resolve their leadership style. Well, next is, like you said, Mark, Captain America, the Winter Soldier is your favorite MCU movie. And I go back and forth on it being my favorite MCU movie as well. What about the Winter Soldier stands out to you so much? I just love that we get to see Captain America being a little more modern seeing him try to fit in the opening scene where he's running around Washington and you just see him passing poor, poor Sam and keeps going and saying on your left. And then Sam hears him coming along. Don't say it. Don't you say it. On your left. Come on. And then they're having their fun conversation about veterans trying to adjust And I'm glad they didn't gloss over that, you know, that, oh, Captain's fine in this movie. He's adjusted. No, he's 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 got his list. The Internet. So helpful. (laughs) And we used to we used to boil everything. So and then I will admit I had heard the Trouble Man soundtrack before that movie, but I'd forgotten all about it. And then he talked about it. If if you get a chance on Spotify, check it out. The Trouble Man soundtrack, it's just a really good album. Love the tune they used in the movie. I love when Black Widow just rolls up and she just goes like, I'm on the way to the Smithsonian. I'm here to pick up a fossil. 
And Cap's <laughs> like, huh, funny, very funny. When you talk about him kind of moving into everyday life, it becomes clear that the only kind of real everyday life normalcy that he has is he just does everything S.H.I.E.L.D. tells him to do. Yeah. Uh, that Lumerian star takedown when they show up on the ship and he just silently just oh, beats the heck out of everybody. When he's, I love that wide shot when he's running down the ship and he just knocks the guy overboard. <laughs> I love that part. But then you get, then you get Batrock played by George St. Pierre. Oh, and he insults yeah. him saying, oh, you can't beat me without the shield. And then Batrock never lands another single punch in the entire fight. And he just gets completely knocked out. Yeah, uh, that that entire Lumerian star scene is awesome. I love I where he jumps out of the Quinjet. He's like, did he did he have a parachute? And you just see the guy go, no, no, he didn't. R- Rumlow is <laughs> Rumlow is even his villain in this movie. And he just has so much admiration for him at that point in time. Yeah, it's really funny. But this this movie really brought a lot of credibility to the MCU. Uh, There's one point six billion reasons why the Avengers had credibility anyway. Um, But by by casting Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce, really brought in this political espionage, just everything. And it just it brought the MCU to a whole new a whole new level. I mean, Robert Redford's character and then getting to see him in Endgame again was was just awesome. But it brought a whole different credibility that the that the MCU, I don't think, has lost since then. Yeah, that's just it. You get Oscar winner Robert Redford in a Marvel movie. Now, I love all the stories where you have the celebrities go, I took this role because of either my kids or my grandkids told me they would be so mad at me. And it was the same thing with him. So thank you to his grandkids for telling granddad redford to be in the movie he brings a whole new level to it like you know this isn't this isn't like a cheesy comic book movie it's one of my favorite audio commentaries from the directors if you get a chance if you have a way to watch it watch it with them i love their approach to it doing it like a 70s spy thriller and robert redford brings that gravitas to it so another example of perfect marvel casting yeah, and this this was the directorial debut for the Russo brothers. Since then, they've done Captain America: Civil War and then Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. Uh, but bringing the Russos over from Community, we got our first Community cameo. Uh, <laughs> Danny Pudi as the he opens the door for Captain America. They pull a gun on him. He just puts his hands in the air. Um, that's uh, that's one Community cameo in Civil War. They get the Dean to make an appearance, and then in Endgame, you get Ken Jong and. Uh, Shirley Bennett, I'm blanking on the actress's name now, but she shows up in Endgame too. But there's a few community cameos that we get from the Russo brothers, along with their Arrested Development cameos that we have too. Brian, I I think we talked about community a couple episodes on our favorite comedy TV shows episode. Check that podcast out. It's a hoop. Brian can encourage you as to why you should check out community for fans of the Russos. Absolutely. But when we talk about just Nick Fury was so good in this movie, too, when he shows up in Cap's apartment and Cap doesn't know it. Um, And Marvel trivia fact, the song playing in Cap's apartment is been a long, long time, which is the exact same song that Cap and Peggy dance to at the end of Avengers Endgame. Um, That's the first time that that song actually appears in the MCU. Do you know the third movie that it appears in? I don't. Age of Ultron. Oh, yeah. yeah, When Scarlet Witch is messing with his mind and he goes to the club, right? Yep. And then, Brian, for the bonus round, 
What Disney theme park does that song play in? Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yeah. For extra bonus points, where? Uh, I would have to say Sunset Boulevard. I think that's the only place I've heard it, right in front of the Tower of Terror there. Yep. I I will admit, every time I walk down Sunset and that song comes on, I get the Captain Goosebumps. So, good job. Yeah. Another one of my favorite scenes out of that movie is when they're in the Apple store. And Natasha and Steve are acting like they are going on a honeymoon or whatever. And they talk about how they're going to go to New Jersey on their honeymoon. And the actor's name is <laughs> DC Pearson. He's the really long hair. He's actually shown up in a couple of things. But when she goes, oh, you guys are practically twins. And he goes, yeah, I wish. And he kind of pats Cap's chest and he goes, specimen. <laughs> that part <laughs> makes me laugh every time. Yeah. And then I love it, too, when they're leaving. They're trying to get out of the mall. Cap's got, like, a huge plan. But, of course, Black Widow's like... Shut up and put your arm around me. Laugh at something I said. What? Do it. <laughs> you just see Cap trying to like fake <laughs> laugh. I didn't even realize this until I watched all the commentary. When Cap lies to Scarlett Johansson, that's the first time Cap really lies because he's always so honest. But well, I I mean, he lies plenty on his enlistment forms in the first movie. He doesn't always tell the truth. He just always does the right thing. There's oh, a Brian. There's a difference. This is a moment of Brian takes Mark literally. <laughs> what I'm saying is Captain America, let me rephrase then. Captain America starts playing the spy game where he go. tries to lie. Of course, Black Widow just calls him out on for being a bad liar. Because that's just not how he wants to do things. Yeah. We can't discuss Captain America, this, uh, the Winter Soldier, without talking about the elevator fight scene. Oh, um, and yes. just, I love that that scene kind of comes back in Endgame, too. Hell, I do. Uh, but he says, before we get started, does anybody want to get out? And then he just beats the heck out of everybody and then ends it by just stomping and kicking up his shield. And then jumps out of the elevator and takes down a Quinjet all on his own. It's just, it's amazing arguably one of the best fight sequences in any movie that was the first scene they filmed for that entire movie yeah and i think what did i hear it took like three days the price of freedom is high it always has been and it's a price i'm willing to pay and if i'm the only one then so be it but i'm willing to bet i'm not arguably cap's least impressive and for the avengers in general their least impressive showing uh was in avengers age of ultron that's not to say there's not some good stuff that came out of that movie uh, but avengers age of ultron was there anything cap specific mark that really stands out to you i i will admit every time i do a marathon where i go back and i rewatch ultron it gets better and better yeah it's still out of the four avengers movies it's the fourth one but I will defend that movie. Cap, though, he he's really trying to come into his own as the leader of the group. I do love, in the beginning, you have the hero shot, just like you had in the first Avengers movie. You have them all kicking butt. Joss Whedon does a great job. And then he frames that one shot where they're all in it together. Like, let's just hurry up and get this done right away. It was and, played for the trailer more than anything. True. And then, yeah, I love you brought it up where Thor and Cap, you see them like, oh, yeah, it's just a regular thing now for us to have Thor hit my shield and us to take out some people. Including a tank. I, I mean, we even have Cap throw a motorcycle in mid-motion to take some people <laughs> out. 
Yeah, there's really only two things from Cap uh, from this movie that really stand out to me. One of them is just simply comedy, um, and the other is, and they're both kind of comedy, honestly. Where Cap's talking to the rest of the group when they're when they're fighting Ultron and Sokovia at the end, he says, "Tear these things apart. If you get hurt, hurt them back, and if you get killed, walk it off." Uh, that that always cracked me up. Um, and then when they're talking about when Vision actually picks up Mjolnir, this is the one movie where Cap can't pick up Mjolnir. And yeah. it is from Marcus and McFeely, the writers, that Cap was, because he was holding on to the secret of who killed Tony's parents, that's what made him unworthy. I will not have, I can debate it all day long, but regardless. But when they're talking about the vision and actually having, he just has different rules about why he gets to pick up Mjolnir because he's artificial intelligence or whatever. So it doesn't count. No, it's not like a person lifting the hammer. Right. Different rules for us. Nice guy. Artificial. Thank you. He can wield the hammer. He can keep the mind still. It's safe with the vision. And these days, safe is in short supply. But if you put the hammer in an elevator... It would still go up. Elevator's not worthy. I'm going to miss these little talks of ours. Well, not if you don't leave. The scene between the three of them, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor, you could just tell they just had a fun time filming that. And then Thor, he just leaves with his little amazing exit at the end there. And then you see a cute moment between Cap and Tony Stark that, of course, sadly, we get Civil War next, but you just see them for a little bit longer still being friends. Age of Ultron really struggled with the Phase 3 announcement, knowing Civil War was next. I think it kind of got swallowed up in Phase 3. Age of Ultron just didn't, a lot of it just didn't work. People were looking forward to Civil War, which a lot of people consider as Avengers 3, um, even though it is very much a Captain America film and always will be. Yeah, uh, I mean, but James Spader as Ultron, amazing casting. Yes, absolutely. But that movie that did swallow up Avengers Age of Ultron was Captain America Civil War. There's one specific thing in this movie that I want to call out, and that's that scene in the tunnel when Cap is chasing down Black Panther. Um, and they are literally running as fast as all the cars. And then you see that scene kind of in a different way in Avengers Infinity War when they're fighting uh, Thanos' army and everybody's running as they're all coming in and Cap and Black Panther just, they're physically enhanced. So they run ahead of everybody else, just how much faster they are than everybody else. It's really on display in that, in that tunnel chase scene in Captain America Civil War. Um, and that's just a really cool scene. Go back to the old school comics. Black Panther... He kicks Captain America's butt in a couple of comic books. So there's actually some pretty good storylines between those two. I'm glad Black Panther's character, he fits so perfectly in it with the Sokovia Accords, Wakanda, or as Mark Ruffalo says it in Ultron. Wakanda, Wakanda. I love how they brought in Black Panther. It felt so natural and organic. And then, and they didn't spend a lot of time on backstory. They did the same thing with Spider-Man. Like, yeah. and this is what told you what the Russos kind of knew what they were doing. They just, well, yeah, Black Panther fit in so well. Well, Kevin, Kevin Feige, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe works so well because he knew they were doing a Black Panther movie. So he's like, all right, let's just make this short. We're going to have the Black Panther movie. We can deal with his backstory and explanations and all of that. In that movie, it's coming. So in this one, he's the son of the ambassador from Wakanda, the king of Wakanda. Let's just 
pick it up from there. And then they get that call out of the Panther statue at the end in the post in the mid credit scene. It's just uh, it, it plays into Black Panther so good. Uh, when you get the little fight scene between Black Panther, I know we're getting off topic from Cap, but that fight scene between Black Panther and the Winter Soldier, so good. When yeah. they're when the Winter Soldier is escaping. Getting back to Cap, I think uh, my my sister in law Nikki would be a little bit disappointed if we didn't call out just the amazing biceps on Captain America when he holds the helicopter <laughs> to, uh, to the platform and just flexing and making every other person in the world feel bad about themselves. That scene is really cool. And I wish we just hadn't seen it in the trailers. Um, and Marvel's yes. got not showing the really good stuff in the trailers, but it just wasn't as cool because we'd seen it in the trailers a hundred times. And then I loved, of course, you have the superheroes in disguise look from Sam and Captain with all right, have a plain ball cap and sunglasses. Nobody can recognize us then. You saw it in Winter Soldier. And of course, they carry it again in Civil War with the two of them just before they go looking for Bucky. And then you have Bucky in the market. And then Cap goes to the apartment, Bucky's apartment. And just the little dialogue scenes between the two of them. I, I love that scene just before kind of all hell breaks loose. Last year on opening weekend for Avengers Endgame, uh, my son and I went to Atlanta um, because I'm a big Colorado Rockies fan and they were playing the Braves in Atlanta. Um, but while we were in town, um, we did the Marvel Studios uh, movie set tour that they have in Atlanta. Um, and right next door to where their, uh, their thing was is there's a big ravine and they showed you exactly where they set up that marketplace at the beginning of Avengers Civil War. And then you pan up and you can see the building that actually explodes when she lifts, when Scarlet Witch lifts crossbones into the air. You can see that um, from that particular ravine. And then on the same ravine is actually the FBI building from Ant-Man and the Wasp as well. So there's a lot of cool stuff that not that far from Florida you can actually go to. And you can also go to the parking lot where they play basketball in Black Panther and the apartment building from there. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can see in Atlanta uh, from a Marvel Studios standpoint. A lot of Captain America stuff there, too. It's really cool. Hold up. There's a Marvel Studio tour? Yeah. Brian. They take you to the <laughs> port. They take you to the Porsche facility, which is Avengers yeah. Compound. Yeah. Yep. Like, it's all, it's all there, man. It's awesome. All right. Once... Uh... Sorry, fans. Once this episode <laughs> concludes, Brian and I are going to have a heart-to-heart about this tour. It's so, cool. Man. I I got to check that out. Civil War, you have the staircase fight scene, which I feel like Marvel watched the long-tracking fight scene from the Netflix Daredevil and said, hang on, hold my shield. We're going to do something pretty epic in this stairway. And Marvel knows how to do action scenes, so that stairway scene's pretty cool. He says he's not going to kill everybody, and then he kind of throws the guy over the edge. It seems like, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> and then, of course, it leads to the tunnel scene. It's something worth rewatching and studying. And also, another reason why there should be an Oscar for our best stunt coordinator to your academy if you're listening. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast. But if you are listening, please create a category for best stunt coordinator. And that stunt coordinator is do you know who that is, Mark? I feel so bad after praising them and not knowing their name. No, his, name go ahead. Is, his name is Sam Hargrave, and he's actually the director of Extraction on Netflix oh, now. Oh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. he is starting to make a big run as a director as well, working with the Russos on Extraction. An Extraction, side note, really, really good movie, a lot of cool action in there. I mean, can we really talk about Civil War without talking about 
the airport scene. No, you can't. Um, but the airport scene could be its own episode, in my opinion. Uh, but just seeing Spider-Man holding Captain America's shield and then Ant-Man, who's stuck on uh. the shield, coming up, <laughs> and, and Giant-Man, and yep. just everything. But if you pay attention to detail in that scene, that's the airport scene right when he comes up and starts talking to Tony. You get a real good view of Cap's costume and his entire, the the A, the Avengers A, has now been removed from his costume. There's a lot of really cool details in the, MC, the MCU that if you pay attention, you can catch on to. I think one of my favorite memes I saw was it was Spider-Man with Cap Shield. Cap, Captain? Big fan of Spider-Man? Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Just... Hey, everyone. Good job. And then you have Cap underneath it go, what? This is still my movie. Anyone? Anyone? Because <laughs> just everyone talked about Spider-Man. How could we forget about the meeting of Scott Lang and Captain America in the parking garage <laughs> of the airport? How did we forget that? Jeez. Ah, uh, look, I want to say, I know you know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me. I just, when... When he looks back Hawk, at Scarlet Witch and he's like, hey, I know you too, you're great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sh I'm shaking your hand too long. It's, <laughs> I think Scott Lang is everybody. If you were to meet Captain America or Chris Evans, however you want to look at it, Paul Rudd plays it perfectly. No question. Well, moving on to his shortest appearance is in Avengers oh. Infinity War. Again, he's not on screen very much in that uh, in that movie. Um, and his shields, to me, were very disappointing. Um, but regardless, the entrance that he makes in Avengers Infinity War when he steps up and saves Scarlet Witch and Vision um, by uh, Proxima Midnight tossing that trident at him and he just catches it. And again, we saw that in the trailer, but still, it was just so cool. Uh, but when he shows up at Avengers Compound again after having been gone for so long and he just tells Secretary Ross, he says, I'm not looking for forgiveness and I'm way past asking for permission. Uh, if you want to stand in our way, we'll fight you too. Uh, he just has lost, not lost respect for him, but he just, he knows he's right and he's going to do it. And it's it's just, he's awesome. I, I remember watching the making of it. They originally had Cap's appearance much later in the movie, kind of towards the battle for Wakanda. and. They were like, we got to have him earlier. So that's when they put him in the, the train station. And it just worked so perfectly. I remember everyone in the audience just erupted. You had the Captain America theme. You had Sam and Black Widow with him kicking butt. And it worked so perfectly. I didn't mind his shields. I think it just went more to, once again, this is not the Captain America we know. He's, he's a different man. He's a man on the run. He's nomad, you know, and... Did I like them right away? No. It took like a second for me to get used to Cap having a shield on each hand. But I think it also played with who Captain America is now. <laughs> when he's talking to Thor and they're in the middle of the battle and Thor's like, I see you copied my beard. And, <laughs> and, he, and he says, oh, I want to introduce you to somebody. This is Tree. And it, then Groot. Oh, by the way, this is a friend of mine, Tree. I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. It just, it's really <laughs> funny. Love that part. And then when Thanos shows up, have Cap say, you know, everyone eyes up. He still does everything he can when he's holding Thanos is like the infinity gauntlet. And you just see Thanos surprised at how strong and how determined this mere man is. 
Thanos' genuine shock in that scene is really, that's what really comes off to me too. Just, he's so surprised that this human can hold him off because of what he did to Hulk earlier in the movie. You're kind of surprised yourself. And then when Thanos just lays Cap out with that punch, like it, I feel it. It, it, it hurts me when I see that part. Well, he didn't appear much in Avengers Infinity War, but Avengers Endgame sure made up for it. And the very first thing I want to talk to, about to you, Mark, on in Avengers Endgame is not only did we get one cap, we got two. Oh. The cap versus cap fight when, in, when they go back in time to 2012. What was the first thought you had when we saw cap versus cap? I was all for that. I was like, oh, this is really cool. This is going to be a really cool visual scene of Cap from the first Avengers who is still not up to date on things versus Captain America who has seen a lot of the modern times, the fighting scenes. I I thought I thought they made older Cap or sorry, younger Cap from the first Avengers movie maybe a little too formidable. I thought up to date Cap would have taken him a little bit more and then he got him in the chokehold. I laughed when he went with Bucky's alive. What? <laughs> Bucky? I I thought that was pretty good and then I kind of wish the scene would have ended after that. I okay, so you disagree. You don't think the America's butt line is funny. I need to hear why because I think it's very funny. So, for all of you listeners out there, Brian and I, when we were doing our show production meeting for this episode, that point got brought up, and I, I, I got really fired up. And Cap probably would have told me to watch my language. Language. Um, <laughs> but I, the scene, is it great for the audience? Yeah, it's pandering to the audience. Is it something Cap would say? I don't believe in any way Cap would admire and then do that little strut thing where he's like, That is America's ass. I don't believe in any way is that a natural organic line from Captain America. I think Endgame... The the problems with Endgame is at time the Russo's brother the Russo brothers pander to the crowd as opposed to doing natural. But no, I don't think in any way Captain America would say that. I think I would have been I would have been fine if he looked at it, smiled, and kind of nodded his head. I would have been fine with that. The the joke earlier with Scott Lang complimenting cap and then tony stark bringing it up in the first place i didn't have any problem with that i thought that was funny i thought his response to that is spot on and natural but when you come back to it it's like okay come on guys i have a couple issues with why it had to make its uh its point in the first place because a lot of people made fun of that particular suit saying that his butt is the only good thing about that suit (laughs) <laughs> I will I will fight to the death if people make fun of that suit. That is my favorite Captain America suit of all the films from Avengers 1. I love that suit. I think Ooh. this cap versus cap scene of yeah. of having 2020 or 2023 cap without the helmet versus 2012 cap with the helmet to tell who to tell them apart was was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but I think the 
line of in question here when he says that i think that is within cap's character because when he beats him up and he says i could do this all day and 2013 or 2023 cap's response is yeah i know i know like he's just <laughs> he's kind of annoyed with himself he's just yeah. kind of become become a new person um so i don't consider it near as out of character as you um but i can definitely see where you're coming from had it been in any other light i think i i think i would have uh Agreed, you do get a little bit of a not-another-teen-movie glimpse, uh, Chris Evans, yeah. at that point in time. And I will admit, even at first when he goes, I could do this all day, modern-day Cap goes, I know, I know. At first, I I did a small little eye roll, and then I was like, you know what? I, I'm not I, I'm not mad at that one. I'm not mad that at that one's one. That funny, man. And then Funko, if you're listening out there, I would love a little Funko to uh, Cap set where it's, Helmet cap versus non-helmet cap. I think that would yeah. be pretty we gotta, good. But Brian, we got a set of Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. We can get Cap pointing at Cap. Right. Actually, Brian, Mount Rushmore, Captain America suits. Uh, Avengers 1, uh, the original that he pulls off the mannequin. I am so fired. Is the same one as what he wears in the first Avenger. Um, yep. That one's number two. Number three, I really like the worn-out suit that he wears in Infinity War. It's the same suit that he wears um, in Civil War. It's got all the uh, defects and stuff because he's been wearing the same suit for so many years. And then that one that he has with the magnetic shield uh, magnet on his arm um, in The Winter Soldier is probably number four. Yeah, I've got to go the Endgame one with the comic book scales on it. I love Mm -hmm. that one. The stealth suit. That actually grew on me. I actually really like it. So that's number two on there. Number three, I have to go the World War II one, the same one that he pulled off of the mannequin. And then I'll go with the one from Civil War in the beginning. It's very similar to the one in Ultron, but they took off the white stripe from it. Mm -hmm. So I think those are my four. But Avengers Endgame... um ends with probably the best payoff in the MCU, in my opinion. Um, When the second Mjolnir showed up back on screen, um, when Thor was jumping through time, I knew Cap was going to pick it up, and I could not wait. Um, But when Cap lifts Mjolnir, um, I often will jump onto YouTube and watch the audience reactions to that particular scene. That gives me chills every single time, and that's why I talk about Avengers Endgame, probably my favorite MCU film. But it doesn't mean anything if it doesn't have the payoff of the 21 films before it. But when Cat picks up Mjolnir and then wields the lightning and everything, it is everything I dreamed and then some more. When he spins it, when he's holding the shield, there's there's nothing better. And then when he calls Stormbreaker and him and Thor are next to each other and <laughs> Thor goes, no, 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 you have the little one. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, just, it is perfect. And then part of that Mjolnir is when Cat calls it to him. He says, when he, all the portals open up. Cap says Avengers, and then Mjolnir comes flying in, and then he just says Assemble. And for those uh, in the know, we've been waiting 22 films to hear Avengers Assemble. They teased it at the end of Ultron. They teased it in multiple other places. But to hear him say Avengers Assemble on screen, the way in which it showed up, there could not have been anything better. Yeah, and to quote our little intro guy, chills, literal chills. So when... He picks it up. I was one of those people in the audience that cheered on. I will admit 
there was one or two times during that battle where I was scared Cap was going to be the one who didn't make it. Oh, man. And I, that's what I expected. When he tightens his broken shield on his arm to also cut some of the bleeding, you just hear Sam. Captain Sam, can you hear me? On your left. That whole scene is beautifully shot. Alan Silvestri's score is amazing. That and was then, the funnest night I've ever had in a movie theater. Even if it happens again, it'll never be the first time ever again. That was incredible. Yep. We got to talk about it. It brought tears to my eyes and made me an ugly crier. But with Cap going back to bring everything back, I, I had a weird feeling when he was talking to Bucky and they were doing kind of a goodbye. And I was like, wait a minute, why is he doing a, a goodbye with Bucky? And Bucky yep. has like a look on his face where Bucky, Bucky knew it was coming. Bucky knew because they just, they have that close of a friendship and not to say Sam and cap don't have, they just have a different kind of friendship. And you see Sam saying, get him back, get him back. But you see Bucky just look over and he goes, Sam and you just look over and you see a guy sitting on a bench and you just start to get goosebumps and God did I ugly cry during this scene and I have no problems admitting it yeah old man Steve I'm so glad that he went out and got the family that that Tony was telling him to get yeah um, it it just seeing old man Steve show up and having Chris Chris Evans in the makeup it just brought it full circle um I, I can feel what Sam says when he says, I'm just bummed I have to live in a world without Captain America. And spoiler alert, we don't have to live in a world without Captain America. Yay. When he uncovers the shield, and I am one of those te- people who is Team Sam. Sam looks over at Bucky. Bucky nods to him. Bucky knows he's not Captain America. Sam is the perfect and right man. To be Captain America, I'm glad they gave it to him. But that scene when he picks it up and you just see Cap go. How does it feel? Like it's someone else's. It isn't. Oh, chills. Literal chills. And and when, when Sam's response is just thank you. Like, it really kind of dawns on Sam at that point in time. And it just... I expect the premise of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to be Falcon kind of becoming the new Captain America and John Walker, like you talked about earlier, U.S. agent, is going to be in the show. The fact that anybody from the government's going to say who's Steve Rogers to tell us who the next Captain America is, like, get off your high horse, man. Like, Steve Rogers has done so much for you. Like, he gets to pick the next Captain America. If Sam's good enough with him, Sam says it in the Winter Soldier, hey, I just go where he goes. I just do it slower. Um, I, just, <laughs> I love it, that line. It Like, Sam, especially with a lot of everything going on in the world today, having an African-American Captain America is going to mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And it's going to be really, really neat to watch that play out on screen. I'm with you. I think he picked, I think he picked the right Captain America. Bucky's got a lot more things he needs to work out. The, the show is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think we'll see Bucky wield the shield a time or two as well. Yeah, and I mean, Anthony Mackie, first off, perfect casting. He's uh, another guy from New Orleans. So I, I remember hearing the story. Chris Evans tells Anthony Mackie, hey, so 
he got to be the one to tell him yep that's so cool you you get the shield and anthony mackie just it it hit him emotionally because that's that's an honor i know in the preview you see him trying to figure out how to use the shield and i i know i'm gonna get real fired up when that u.s agent is picked to be captain but i'm i'm ready to see those scenes between sam wilson and the u.s agent to see how they clash i'm ready for that series for those of you wondering when we get that series, the answer is we don't know. Um, Disney Plus had said that it was going to uh, launch in August. Um, they did have to go on hiatus due to COVID-19. We don't know if Black Widow means anything to the story. Disney Plus has not said whether or not um, this show is going to de- debut in August. At this point in time, it's still set to debut in August, uh, but we don't know. One can only hope. Well. That concludes our 4th of July salute episode to Captain America on United We Fan, the podcast. Thank you all for uniting with us till the end of the line. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed uniting on it. We surely could have talked about Cap all day, but maybe we can save that for a sequel episode. Who knows? Next week, we discuss the animated films of DreamWorks. Such films as Shrek, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, Rise of the Guardians, and Megamind. Plus so many more favorites. It'll be a dream episode to discuss, so tune in with us. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know with a rate or review. For those listeners with any comments or questions, drop us a line so we can reply. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. Yeah, if we talked about anything that you liked or something we didn't touch on about Captain America you wish we had, uh, find us on Instagram at United We Fan Podcast or shoot us an email at United We Fan Podcast at gmail.com. And check out our Instagram. Brian and I, especially Brian, works very hard to do some cover photos for each episode as well as the next episode. We probably spend a little too much time, but who cares? We have a lot of fun doing it. So check it out. Give it a like. Thank you, CKCC Radio. Check us out and the many podcasts of CKCC Radio on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and most podcast locations. Till we unite again, fans. And remember, gosh darn it, watch your language. I, I understood that reference. So are you two, do you fondue?